Leads, leads, leads. What is happening? Welcome to Working Hours, a show about a place called Leeds, a time called now, and an activity called work. Working Hours wants to record 1,000 lawyers over the course of this, the most important decade in the history of the human species, and ask them about what they do all day and hear how they feel about it. My mission is to try to map out what my city, Leeds, a city that has declared a climate emergency, is doing during humanity's biggest emergency. On working hours, we hear how loiners have, are and will be coping with our multiple crises. The global pandemic, Brexit and of course the ongoing and accelerating collapsing of capitalism, the state and the climate through this decade. To do this I need people, people like you dear listener. Most of all I need people who are in Leeds or who are from Leeds to come on this show and be my guests. So please join me and help me with this mission whenever and however you can. Critically I will need people like you dear listener as financial backers. Please consider supporting or donating to this project. You can do so with a £1 monthly donation via either Patreon or Ko-fi, or you could donate any one-off amount to Working Hours via either Ko-fi or through the LibrePay button on the About page of Western Studios' website. Thank you. My name is Simon, and this is all my fault. What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a fashion designer. Oh, nice. <laughs> so it's quite funny because I'm terrible at art and I can't sew. And it would have been terrible fashion designer. But, you know, that's what I wanted to do. So, how far did you take that? Did you go to like art school, design school, anything? No, it's just a pipe dream when I was at school. And um, yeah, I was terrible at school as well. I um, won't give my age away here. I did a, I did O levels and I didn't do very well in my exams. So. Um, yeah, it took me a while. I didn't go to university until I was, um, 27. Mm. So when did you start work? Did you start quite young? No, it started when I was 30. Oh, right. Okay. Um, because I had my children, my children yeah. were very young Okay. and, um, and I started studying when I was expecting my fourth child. Yeah. Um, and I actually went to university with four young children. God. My That's... youngest was, um, my youngest was three going on four when I started. Yeah. Wow. You're listening to Series 3, Episode 50, and to my guest, Tracy Clemenson. This is another Zoom interview recorded on the 8th of November, 2022. Hello, loves. No robo-voice this time. How did you find that? Drop me some feedback on social or send me an email. In fact, feel free to send questions, queries or clarifications, compliments and or complaints to workinghourspod at western-studios.com. Tracy has over 20 years' experience in web design and spends her time between Yorkshire and London. She now has an international client base that caters for every type of business, including musicians, electricians, photographers and charities. Although Tracy specialises in small to medium-sized businesses, she is happy to take on larger projects and in 2007 Tracy built and managed the website for the Archery World Cup. Her business thrives on face-to-face contact where possible as she recognises that getting to know her client and their business is key to Arctic Bee being able to provide the best possible services for clients. So even if you are not a local, Arctic Bee can always arrange a Zoom and a chat. Get in touch to see how they can create an online buzz for your business. To find out more, go to arcticbee.co.uk. If you would like to know more about Tracy's personal journey, please visit her blog section on Arctic Bee's website. As a survivor of domestic violence and a mental health crisis in 2019, Tracy has a lot to share and hopes that through coming together, people can thrive in the face of adversity and achieve the impossible for their business, much like the Arctic Bee itself. For any help and support surviving domestic violence in Leeds, go to LDVS, that's Lima Delta Victor Sierra dot UK, if safe for you to do so. There's no graphic descriptions of anything in here, so hopefully nothing triggering. Of course, if in doubt, don't proceed. Better safe than sorry. This is a discussion about work, and that's where the focus stays. Also, there's some random bleeps and bloops on this recording occasionally. Apologies, but it's on the recording. Your player isn't playing up. Right, let's do this. The finale of Series 3, At Last, Episode 80 of Working Hours with Tracy Clemenson. Okay, so I'll skip straight into what you're doing now. 
Um, so yeah, so what is it that you're doing now? So now I'm running a digital marketing agency called Arctic Bee, mm-hmm. and we do web design, social media marketing, email marketing, just everything digital marketing based for small to medium sized businesses, some enterprise level businesses as well, but mainly small to medium sized businesses. Mm-hmm. So, and this is your business and how long have you been yeah. going now? So I started in April 2020. Um, I started on my own and then I went limited in uh, May 2021 and um, I've taken on employees since. Mm-hmm. So we are growing and um, yeah, it's um, it's been quite a journey so far. <laughs> mm. So, yeah. So my next question is normally how did you get into it? But I'm thinking, so how are you going from university with four young children to starting work to starting a business in a lockdown? So I, um, I um, actually have a long career in education. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was a I was a secondary school teacher, so I actually trained to be a secondary school teacher. Mm-hmm. Right, I went through university. I did my PGCE. Um, did a little bit working for an MP in between. Mm-hmm. Um, did my PGCE. I went into teaching uh, religious education, English secondary school students. Mm-hmm. Then spent some time working in prisons. I was um, head of education at a secure training centre for young people, and I managed education programmes in prisons. Mm-hmm. And then I went on to run an alternative provision. So I had quite a varied career in education. Then mm. just a, a, a little bit of how I got where I am now. When I was, at, we'll go back to when I was at university. I was elected as national president of the Student Union, and I didn't have a website. Mm. One of my friends at university was a computer scientist and I went to see him. I said, can you help us with a website? And he said, no, but I'll teach you how to do it. Mm. So I've always done a little bit of web design part-time on the side. And mm. um, I came out of education for a few years between uh, 2002 and 2005 and, and just got focused on the website uh, design then mm-hmm. um, before I went back into teaching. I did, um, yeah, I did. You know, kind of, I've kind of had that kind of web background there. I've always mm. kind of felt like it's something to have, you know, to have a good skill to fall back on. Mm. I mean, it was like there was definitely a point in time where everybody needed a web designer and a web page mm. maker and so on. But as you've got, and and there were always people who were launching their own websites and trying to do it on their own. But obviously, you've got sort of tools like Wix and Squarespace and these other sort of like prepackaged versions. I mean, obviously, I'm assuming you're still getting work on the side for the web design stuff that that you're like, there's enough work here to kind of take this full time. Like, is that is that the case that you decide there's enough here for me to do this full time? Well, um, what happened was my career in education came to an end. Mm. I I had really significant mental health issues and um, I had what I can only term as a breakdown. I ended up in hospital very, very ill, uh, quite burnt out. Um, had a lot of personal stuff in the background. So I will let you know that I'm a domestic violence, um, a domestic violence survivor as well. Um, lost both my parents and was in a very stressful job in an area of the country I didn't know anybody. So there was a whole mixture of things that led to that. Mm. And um, and I got to the point where I knew my 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 career in education was over. I, I was mentally burnt out. I knew that I couldn't go back into the classroom. I was in mm. super leadership at that point. Um, I wasn't well enough to continue. And I had a choice, really. I either, um, you know, just sunk and, 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 and carried on, you know, with, with that depression and, and anxiety that I had, mm. or I pulled myself out of it and, you know, I I chose I chose the latter and mm. decided maybe now this is a sign, it's a chance for me to do my own thing. And so um building websites and starting Arctic B was really part of my recovery and my journey to make myself well again. Mm. Mm. Okay. So that's like a I mean it's a cracking story of like the building of the company. So take us through like sort of starting up, take us through that journey of starting up, like how how much kind of research did you do before? Did you just start taking jobs? Did you go about it as like, right, I'm going to read loads of businessy stuff and then I'm going to be a business and I'm going to go here and network? Like, what was your what was your approach? Were you just getting work and just building up the work and going from there? Well, this is right in the throes of the pandemic. So we were in lockdown. Uh, 
April 2020. And um, and as I say, it started off that it would just be, um, to give to put it into context as how ill I was, mm. I, had six, I had a six-month period where I barely could get out of bed in the morning. You know, I, I remember walking into a doctor's surgery and I said, you've got change today. And he said, I've changed my cardigan. I said, that's progress. That's how ill I was and very, very ill. Yeah. So, um, so that lockdown gave me the chance really to, to, to focus on myself. Probably one of the few people to say that it was actually beneficial for me personally. Mm. And, um, and I, I, I used that. I thought, well, I'm going to build a website today. I'm going to see how I get on with it. And it just gave me that sense of achievement. I mm. reached out to all my friends and family and said, look, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to start making myself feel better. And so it's a very gradual process. I wouldn't say there was any kind of business research or anything into it. I knew mm-hmm. the industry fairly well because, as I say, I'd always done a little bit here mm. and there, building websites and um, maintaining a very small, minimal client load. It certainly wasn't my main job. Mm. And um, and so I knew, I knew, you know, I knew, I knew the industry quite well. And um, and that's how it started. And it it really was that and um, building up until the point that. The phone was ringing quite a lot. I think mm. the, during lockdown, a lot of people realized they needed to be online. Mm. Mm. Um, and the fact that I could say that I'd had that experience over those years put me mm. in a quite a good position. But it was, it was mostly through people that I knew that I was reaching out to saying, look, do you know anybody who needs a website? Can you ask them? Can they get in touch with me? Mm. Um, and yeah, so, so it's evolved. Mm. If I could go back and start again, I probably would have been a bit more strategic with it. Mm-hmm. Put some more processes and stuff in place at the beginning, but mm. um, we we are where we are now. So um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it can be great to have the luxury of sort of pre-planning and you know building building the business as a network of systems and processes and so on. But you know, it's better to have the work and be getting money in. I think. So you start, yeah. I think you started the right way because then you can start, because when you're bringing in your systems and processes, then you can kind of improve things that are already happening because you know the way that things are working at the moment and then it's just making refinements. Yeah, definitely. Um, and um, I mean, one, one, of the, one of the real tough points for me was going for sole trader to limited company, mm. which I had to do because I wanted to employ young people through the kickstart scheme mm-hmm. so i had to I, I had to become a limited company mm-hmm. um that that was a lot harder it's, it, mm-hmm. it sounds very simple but it's actually a quite difficult process because you've got mm-hmm. to change bank accounts you've got to change your invoicing system mm-hmm. um you you've practically got to change everything so um i think that that was the bit that was the pain point for me is actually doing that transition and it took quite some time to do that and and get everything kind of reset up mm-hmm. um so that's really what I mean in terms of wish I'd had that kind of structure and process from the beginning and maybe have mm. a bit more foresight into where this could lead to. Mm. Um, but I mean... You weren't in the place for that then, though, either. No, probably not. Um, it was really difficult for me to look forward at that point. I think mm. I was really taking it a day at a time. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it, it's it's difficult when you're you know, when you are um, suffering from depression and anxiety, as I say, to you look too far ahead. Mm. Um, fortunately, I'm in a much better place now and I am planning for the future. So, mm. you know, there is, you know, there are um, forecasts in place and there is a clear plan and a clear vision now. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you, you seem to have grown quite fast. I mean, and like, when I was looking at the the website and stuff and some of the clients that you've mentioned and some that I've mm. seen on there, like you've, you know, you've got good work, you've been in good places, you've got like, you know, you're obviously, you've got high profile enough clients for other people to kind of see them and go, oh, you know, that's good. And they'll, they'll kind of come on board. I mean, does the work kind of find itself quite easily? Have you had to do a lot of marketing? Like how's, how's the the sort of workload is it just sort of grown and grown and grown and hence then you need to take on staff or was it taking on staff that allowed you to grow more um, well actually um i i'm in the process of asking people and saying that i wanted to set up originally what art to be was just web design yeah. and um, i had a friend of mine who had a son that was doing social media marketing at the time and she said to me look he's looking for some extra work would you be interested in venturing into social media marketing and so, um, 
And so I said, yeah, why not? Let's give it a go. And um, for me to be able to do the to do web design, social media as well would be inconceivable. It's too much work there for one person. Mm. And not only that, when you're doing digital marketing and you're putting a strategy together, because we now do email marketing as well, you need people with different expertise. You can't be an expert in everything. Mm. But I think to be to be a good credible agency, you need people that have different strengths that work together, that share ideas. Mm. Um, particularly with creatives, you know, we bounce a lot of ideas off each other. So it is important that we have that that good mix of the team. It definitely be too much one person to do. Mm. And also, I've got to be realistic about my age. I'm I'm from a I'm from a Facebook generation, not necessarily an Instagram generation. Um, so having younger people on board is really beneficial. Um, they're particularly, I've got one member of my team who's great with TikTok. And, um, you know, I'm more, I, I would say I'm probably more savvy with Facebook and LinkedIn. So yeah. you all have our different strengths. And, and that's, that's really what makes it work. Mm. On the, before I move on to kind of my questions, mm. I just want to get a sense of like, so as you're growing, mm. you, are you taking on much more of that sort of strategic um, like background work now and doing less yeah. of the sort of day-to-day of actually designing and stuff? Yeah, I'm still doing designing and mm. I don't think I'll stop doing that because I love building websites. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a real passion of mine. I just just love getting stuck into it and I'm quite geeky. I'm quite getting, you know, wading through code and <laughs> trying to work problems out. So I do mm. like that side of things. So I don't think that will stop. But I'm definitely stepping back now and and focusing more on strategy and networking and um you know bringing the business in mm. um and building my team up and and um encouraging my team and training my team so that they can pick up a lot more of that work. Mm. So I'm going to move into the other questions. I'm going to start us off with COVID. I know we kind of mentioned it already, but mm. um, so what I want to look at here, what I normally ask people to look at, is um, just basically going back down into as you went into lockdown yeah so normally as obviously you're starting sort of let's say a month into lockdown yeah and you're probably starting from a, a very different position given like your health at the time yeah um so but the other thing i want to look at i want to look at basically how your workload changed through that and then how do you think covid has changed your kind of working for the long term, like have there been any long lasting effects from COVID that changed the way that you were? Um, well, yes, because um, when I took my young people on from Kickstart, um, even though we'd come out of that lockdown period, actually somebody working in office didn't seem as important. We do have an office, mm. but we work on a hybrid basis. Sometimes mm. they're in, sometimes they're working at home. And um, and I think that changed for a lot of people. You know, the idea that you have to come in at you know nine to five in an office environment every day is no longer no longer the same. Mm. So um, so that works quite well. I mean, we are in we are in constant contact with one another. We do have meetings where we do get together. Mm. Although I do have um, a couple of members of my team actually in London, so mm. um, obviously that's not physically possible all the time. I'll, I'll go down there quite a bit and I meet with them. Mm. Um, so, so definitely in terms of hybrid working, I mean, being in tech, being in, um, being in web design um, and social media marketing, obviously for us, the pandemic was probably a positive thing because it made everybody realize actually that how important being online is mm. and how important making sure that you've got your online presence is and, and that you've got, you know, the communication structures in place. Not just not just within your teams, but obviously with your clients and, and attracting new clients. So, so I think that I think it's been a real positive for us. And I don't know that things will go back to the way they were before the pandemic. I think that people will continue to work on a hybrid basis, and I hope that people continue to realise how important it is. You know, if you have a physical bricks and mortar shop, mm. have an online presence as well. Mm. So yeah, so definitely, I definitely, from our perspective, I think it's. It's been positive, although mm. I do appreciate for a lot of businesses it's been really hard and mm. really difficult. Yeah, especially restaurants who may may not have had the had the kind of resources to be able to get online quickly enough, you know, to do mm. to, to deliver, for example, takeaways, etc. Mm. So there were a lot of businesses that did suffer, and we do appreciate that. Yeah, I think I think it's just about that. I think that's the other thing that came out of it actually is the need to be able to adapt and the need to be able to be flexible for what happens. Mm. Um, we're, we're facing a, you know, 
global economic crisis at the moment and um and there were going to be further adaptions to go and you know people again that have premises that maybe are struggling with their energy bills etc the pandemic has taught us anything is that we can't just carry on the same way and Mm. expect to get the same results Mm. as business owners we've got to be much more flexible much more responsive and much more adaptable when things happen Mm. Mm. yeah i'd agree so i want to look at here kind of your process of starting up the company getting those jobs in and and getting going so were you initially i mean so i'll give you a similar story with this like i started this 2019 i'd done a series of temp jobs when i came back to leeds uh in like 2015 that were all rubbish i didn't like them um there was nothing really happening i was like i've had enough of all this i'm going to do my own thing and then we hit the pandemic and I was in- interviewing people face to face. And then I was like, oh, well, I can't do my thing now because I didn't think to record online because that's how smart I am. <laughs> and, then, and then the penny dropped. And then so I started recording online. But it was like this This has been so important to me in terms of like a reason to get up kind of thing of like, you know, well, at least I'm going to do this or I'm going to do X on this or I'm going to try and do X on it. And you talking about that kind of process of it, you know, sort of coming back to wellness. Because I'll often talk to people with the COVID question about their work-life balance. A lot of people ended up working a lot more. A lot of people, their work dropped off and, and you know, a lot of people had both. So it's that kind of, it, it's the wellness and the work-life balance side of things that I, I want to kind of look at there. Like, were you initially in getting well did that mean that you were doing like 20 hour days or did you just take it piecemeal and kind of build up or did you throw yourself into it as like this is meaning this is something that I can do and get on with and be productive yeah so in the beginning no I wasn't doing 20 hour days I really was taking it day by day and doing it yeah. a bit, a bit also yeah. to do that to be fair yeah um but I did get to the point where I was and I got to the point where I was working just just all the hours and um very late at night, getting mm. up in the morning, getting quite stressed about it, working weekends as well. Mm. And I think it's quite common from talking to small business owners because obviously we deal with a lot of startups. Yeah. And it's really common, you know, to to get to that point where you're the person that's working in the business all the time. Mm. Yeah, probably every small business owner can appreciate this. Mm. Do you get to that point where you're like, there's not enough hours in the day, I just don't know how I can keep doing it. <laughs> and um, so there's been some really... Um, really key decisions recently in terms of what in not just my mental health but mental health of my team as well mm. in, in what I can outsource and for example I now have a bookkeeper mm. she's absolutely amazing <laughs> it's um yeah just one of the best decisions I've ever made because <laughs> um because I was spending so long actually setting people up and and just you know yeah. ringing people and 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 um, getting them to sign up, you know, with their with their um, standing orders or their direct debit, it takes it takes a lot more time than you realise. So, yeah. so I have a bookkeeper, and that that's made a massive difference. Mm. And I'm getting a lot better at delegating as well. I was say I'm training the team up, and I'm also really good at taking time out for myself now. You know, if I mm. if I do have um if I do have a pressing deadline or I've got something really important to do, of course I'm going to do that. But I'm also quite good at communicating with my clients. So. Mm. For example, I um, had a, a quite significant bereavement last uh, last week. You know, it, it was quite unexpected. It was a friend of mine, very close to me, and um, and the first thing I did was contact my team and contact uh, some of my clients and say, "Look, this has happened. I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to put this off for a few days." Mm. And, um, and, and people are understanding. People get that. Sometimes you put put yourself first, and you've got to yeah. You just got to take that time and you just got to say, right, I need to step back a bit from this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that, you know, you if you're not there, the business isn't there. So. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and and it's about smart working as well, because uh, working all the hours doesn't mean that you're working efficiently. Mm. You end up like a hamster on a wheel. Mm. And actually that downtime and that thinking time is just as important. Mm. You know, I want I want to grow the business. I want to be very strategic with it. I want um I want my team to come with me. The team aren't going to come with me if I'm 
stressed out on a on a Zoom call and <laughs> you know <laughs> breaking down. I don't think there'd be much of the business left. So no. um, so yeah, so it's really important, I think, to 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 take that time out and and even just have that downtime and thinking time. Mm. So um, how was the change kind of coming out? Like, had you been in any kind of corporate environments before or had it all been? Because I suppose with the jails, like, I suppose you, I'm guessing you've done some freelance with the education stuff that you've mentioned. That would be my guess. Um, but other than that, I'm thinking, what kind of business experience have you got? Are you, did, you, did you come into this and then start going lots of networking, reading business books, or did you already have did you feel quite confident with that side of things when you were starting up? Like what's what's your relationship to the kind of business theory and business practice, I suppose? Yeah. Well, um, as I said, I did I did um I did come out teaching for a very short period and and did some web design work back in the early two thousands. I was quite a good business networker and mm. uh, quite a few business networks and um so, so I had had some business experience and I've also worked in uh, senior leadership in education. So I've been responsible for managing, you know, multi-million pound budgets. Mm. Um, I've worked for a charity and I've grown their turnover quite significantly. So, mm. so I've got some, you know, some financial and, um, and business experience there. Yeah. Um, but like, if you can't possibly know everything and no. I'm very good at asking for help if I need it, I, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I'm a member of Connect Yorkshire, and they've offered me some uh, some mentoring as well, which I'm um, which I'm very gratefully going to going to accept. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that not reinventing the wheel is really important. Actually, learning from people that've been there and done it is really important. So mm-hmm. I'm very very good at going out and asking for help if I need it. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a master's in digital marketing at the moment, okay. and um, and that is it's quite academic, and that's been really really good for me. Mm-hmm. Or um, for really thinking about strategy in terms of my own business. Mm-hmm. So for example, one of the assignments we did, digital value proposition, we've looked at business model canvas. Mm. And um that's really kind of made me step back and rethink the way that I'm doing things as well and actually put in the 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 underpinning strategy into what mm. we're doing overall. Not just for our company, but also for the benefit of the companies we're working with in terms of putting frameworks in place and mm. and making sure that their marketing is working for them. So mm. Yeah. Well, that's going to keep you busy as well, doing an MA as well. <laughs> that's running yeah. the business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to say, well, I said I went to university the first time with my four young children. I would actually argue that it's harder doing a part-time master's and running a business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can get children into a routine, can't you? It's harder to get a business into a routine. You know, my friend- Ironically. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, my friends, uh, one of my friends says to me, because um, whatever I'm doing, I, I can always I can always work. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. It can be really noisy and chaotic. I'll just sit down and be like, just give me a minute. And I'll and next minute, and then five minutes later, I've done a blog post. So it says to me, how do you do it? I'm like, training. I had you know, children who went to university. Trust me, I learned how to block everything out and just focus on what I was doing. So, um, okay, so I want to... I, I, I'm going to try and whip through fairly quickly with these. Um, so, because you, I've no guy. Because sometimes you can ask someone a question; it'll be answered in 20 seconds. And other times mm-hmm. you spend like half an hour. But yeah, so we'll go on to Brexit. So you did start before we Brexited. My question on Brexit is basically what, again, what what impact has it made? What difference has it made? How's it changed your work? Has it changed your work? Like, has Brexit been Good, bad, neutral, like have you noticed any difference since we Brexited on your work? No, I haven't. And I I think that's a really difficult question for anybody to answer. Oh yeah. Because, because we've had a pandemic and we now have a war in Europe. Mm. And to put any one thing down to Brexit would be really difficult. Mm. Um I'm not in the import export business. Um, so I wouldn't say that it's it's had that that has had a direct impact on me. Mm. Um I just think it's incredibly difficult to quantify, and mm. it's very early days. I don't think we can possibly mm. say what the what the outcome of Brexit is going to be in the long term. Mm. Yeah, true. So I'm waiting for someone to say that there's been a Brexit benefit. So everyone has either been neutral or bad. Um, but I will say, actually, on that, I'll give you a benefit. 
Okay. <laughs> is that what I have noticed is that there's a lot more focus. We we look um look after some manufacturing companies mm-hmm. and um and there's a real pride in British manufacturing and um you know, they have the made in Britain logo. And I think that if there is anything, there has been more of a focus on um being proud to to have a British business and being proud to manufacture in Britain. There's certainly um uh, um, a perception of quality that goes with that and I have noticed that a lot more people are putting that out there and really focusing in their marketing and mm. we're fortunate today obviously we're advising that as well yeah. to actually really focus on the fact that you are based in Britain and you are um, you are supporting the British economy yeah. so I think I think if anything there has been a benefit in that that respect and the pandemic as well has put a lot more focus on local businesses yeah which has been fantastic. I think yeah. I've seen a lot more people winning, even if they just need to pay, you know, a little bit extra to use a local business rather than, you know, a national kind of anonymous corporate. There's mm. a lot more support there. So I think local businesses and and and, um, and made in Britain has definitely come to the fore. Mm. Yeah, there was a big push definitely during the pandemic as well of like supporting local because it was like they they all really need you now. So I'll go on to climate change. Uh, so again, the questions on, you know, like how it's impacting your work, how it has impacted your work, if it has, is there anything you can do in your role or that you do do with the business in terms of adaptation, mitigation or awareness raising? Like, is there anything you can do around climate change? Is it, was it a concern for you when you were setting up or is it just something that's like, I'll have a green policy at some point when I need it? Uh, I'm actually working with somebody at the moment who is a sustainability consultant. I'm mm-hmm. of marketing. She's actually a very good friend of mine as well. Cool. So if I need any advice or support, she's there for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm very much, um, I mean, the, the hybrid working helps not making people travel in every day. They don't yeah. need to. Mm-hmm. Um, using Zoom when we need to, using public transport to go down to London when I can. I can't always do that. It depends, you know, if I've got, how many people are coming with me and uh, yeah. in time scales and so on obviously train strikes are a big factor at the moment yeah so um so yeah i think it's just minimizing our um carbon footprint as much as we can we've mm-hmm. replaced there's a very small thing but every little bit helps doesn't it we've mm-hmm. played the um disposable cups in the office with bamboo cups and um yeah we just try to minimize our waste as much as possible mm. yeah i mean is it like in terms of policies and, and things Mm. you know all all values depending on how you want to do it as a business like what are the kind of things that you sort of designed in uh value-wise because like what are the things that i saw uh, i think it was when i was uh, nhs digital i think it was and they had a training video on uh it was like a disability training video but they were talking about like if you can nail it for disabled customers you can nail it for everybody. And obviously working in a web environment, I mean, you must have dealt with access issues and sort of, you know, get more people online and thinking about accessibility. Um, yeah, definitely. Are th- is that something that was kind of built in or is these, have you kind of, has the business values and stuff and the priorities that they kind of come later with the strategy? Because obviously you're starting from that doing the work first position. In Does that make of, sense? Yeah, I mean, in terms of accessibility, um, I've always built accessible websites. Mm. I um, I remember in I think it was about 2005, I went to a, a conference which was about the web and accessibility, and yeah. it's very early stages then. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of web designers weren't really considering it, mm. and um, and we actually watched people who had um, visual impairments using screen readers to get an idea of. The difficulty to encounter but they were looking at, at websites yes. so um so i'm very aware and um and we do make our sites as accessible as possible mm. um sometimes that means going a little bit above and beyond so some of our sites you know they do have been built you know contrast and and tools on those sites where you can actually very easily change the font and, and make it easier mm. but technology's come a long way mm. a, a really long way and um, um, modern browsers these days have practically have everything built into them, mm. which they didn't have when I started building websites a long time ago. Yeah. And we listen to feedback as well. Listen to feedback from not only our clients but our clients' customers as well. Mm. Um, 
And um, you know, somebody sends me a PDF and it's not readable. That's the first thing I'll say. Well, you know, you can't you can't actually read the text on this. It's a flat image. We need to mm-hmm. think about this. So, so yeah. So we we do the best that we can. Mm. Yeah, let's do UBI before we do social media. So if there was a universal basic income, uh, so if you were paid an amount to live, you know, you pay your bills and whatever, you can mm. have a have a basic standard of life. Uh, well, I suppose as well, would you still work? Uh, and then if you still work, would you be doing this job? If you're doing this job, would you still be doing it the same way? Well, I'm a business owner in the early stages, so... Mm. <laughs> a lot of most most of the money that we get into the business goes back into it. Mm. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not drawing, I'm not drawing a lot at the moment. I'd like to in the future. So would mm. I still do it the same way? Yes, I would, because mm. actually, as I said, I was in senior leadership in education, so I wasn't on a bad salary at all. Mm. And um, and to go into self-employment actually actually was a massive drop in income, mm. and I'm not back at that income level yet. Mm-hmm. I certainly hope to be within the next year, but. I think all business owners do that. I think that when you go from employment to self-employment, there is a period of adjustment and there is a period of being realistic with your finances and what is going to be available to you. But actually, um, I'm a lot happier and um, I'm building something for the future that I know is going to be very successful. So um, sometimes there is more to life than money. I think it really depends, doesn't it? Because it depends where you are within that business, really. And Mm. There's lots of different ways to feel appreciated and feel motivated. And, you know, in an ideal world, I would pay all my staff a lot more than I'm paying them. But, you know, we're, we're, we're building, we're getting there and we're working towards something that I hope is going to be really great in the future. Yeah. I mean, like initially, well, I suppose it's a question of like how quickly you were able to sort of give yourself any kind of wage. Um, and, you know, the because... I suppose, well, my thinking there is like, you know, as you're starting out, if mm. you had a UBI, mm. would probably have taken a lot of the pressure. Well, it would take some of the pressure off, but do you think maybe it might have prevented you from starting? Do you think it could have prolonged that depression? Um, I don't know. I mean, I was, I'm in quite a lucky situation anyway, you know, because I'm a bit older and my children have grown up and left home. Mm. Um, I don't, you know, I don't have mortgage to worry about. So I suppose I'm mm. a lot, I'm a lot better off than a lot of people. I think it's a real shame that the tax credit system isn't around as it used to be because mm. that would be a really big incentive and a massive support to people setting businesses up. Mm. And I know that that support's not there in the same way now. So, so it's going to be very difficult, I think, if you're, you know, if you do have a mortgage, you do have mm. bills, you do have a lot of responsibilities. Mm. I suppose it's about making sure, and this is what we do a lot as well, because we are, we're a digital marketing agency, yes. Mm. But as I say, we're supporting a lot of startups. Mm. And actually, um, for a lot of the businesses that come in, I'll sit down and I'll actually map out what they can do to get that kind of maximum recurring income going mm. um, as quickly as possible. A lot of people come in, they don't think about that. They might think, well, I've got a product and I want to sell it. Well, actually, it's going to take me time to build it, and then we'll, we'll look down and we'll look at opportunities that they could maybe get that recurring income going. So they've got their baseline income. I've done that mm. quite a few businesses where we've looked at um, subscription services and plans and packages. And um, yeah, it's 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 when you start talking to people and you start to see what's possible. Mm. Um, particularly actually for those businesses where they are setting up but they're still working, it's mm. their exit plan. You know, we can support them to get there quicker than we will. So, and then, and then what we do, especially we'll call it business coaching to some extent, is that mm. we'll sit down and we'll look at feasibility of actually earning money online and and what they can do to maximise their income to at least give them that minimum level that mm. they can live on, so that they can then come away from that full time job and give everything they need to to the business. Mm. So yeah, before I kind of explore any of that, I, I remembered what I was going to ask. I mean, because I did, you know. You do tend to work like I'm not sure if it's primarily, but like from the outside, from what I've seen, it seems to be that you do prefer to work with smaller businesses. Like, is that mm-hmm. a conscious choice that you, you know, you kind of fostering new business, supporting them, helping them grow. And also, I guess they're probably easier to deal with, easier to build relationships with and hopefully build better long term relationships like that's my guess. Is that your your thinking with it? Um, well, um, 
a lot of enterprise level businesses um, and when a business gets to a certain point, it tends to move towards having their own in-house marketing team. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the first thing. Um, the larger the company, the more chance they've got of, of actually having that in-house team rather than using an agency. Sure. Um, secondly, I think that it's a, um, it's a, it's a, it was a, was a conscious decision. Um, I've always worked with small to medium-sized businesses. I think my heart is in small to medium-sized businesses, particularly micro businesses and sole traders and kind of kitchen tabletop businesses, because um, mainly because that's where I started out, um, and also because um, I think you build better relationships. I think that you, it's almost like you know, a lot of people said, a lot of people say to me, "You're now part of our team." Mm. You, you're, you, you know, you are our team, mm-hmm. and um, and you get that very much with with smaller businesses, even businesses that have you know less than ten employees. They very much see you as part of their team, mm. and um, you'll be amazed at how many Christmas do's I get invited to. I was invited one this morning. You know, you need to come along and part of our team now, and um, you know, that's be, cool. Be so that's 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 really nice. I think you get that loyalty, and I think you get that relationship with small to medium sized businesses that yeah. you can have with with um, enterprise level businesses. Don't 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 you can't because I do work with enterprise level businesses as well, mm. but certainly more so with small to medium sized businesses. Mm. And it's and for me, I really get a kick out of supporting them and seeing them seeing them grow from their mm. early stages mm. and just seeing where we can take it. Mm. You know that yeah. that that startup phase is. Um, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun to work with. It's very rewarding, and it's very rewarding to see people get that sense of personal achievement and personal fulfilment mm. as um as they start to realise that they can do this and they can, you know, they really they really can achieve um self employment and 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 do it in a sustainable way. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, and as well, I suppose that's that. You know, it was your ladder out of out of a particular place and sort of seeing other people kind of taking that journey and kind of oh you can go you know you can go somewhere else you can do something else with this and sort of seeing that succeed for them that's got to be yeah that's got to be enjoyable to see yeah. right so let's get on to which i think will probably be the big one for you social media the question is on return on investment so the amount of time that you have to put into social media like creating the work putting the work out there and just whether you feel that the time that you spend doing that is worth the time that you spend doing that? Does it reap huge rewards? Are they tangible rewards that you can see immediately? Or is it kind of like, I have to do this thing, I put it out there, it's abstract, I don't know if it's doing anything for me. I think I know the answer, but yeah. <laughs> and yeah, well, it depends how much people put into it. Mm. So we do a package which is posting only. And I'm very clear with people it's posting yeah. only. So yeah. if you think you're going to grow your accounts and if you think you're going to see a return on investment on that, you know, where we are literally just creating posts and posts and that is a budget kind of um, package, mm. that that's probably not going to happen. That's unrealistic. You need to be able to put the... Um, and you're quite right to say that it's a return on investment because mm. a lot of small business owners see it as a cost. Mm. And uh, it does take time to build. And I always say, you know, it should be a bit good three to six months you're doing it organically before we start to see results. But if you um if you if you put that investment in, you should be seeing that come back and more. Mm. Um but if it's a posting only account, we tend to do those more for business owners that don't have time to do it themselves. So they tend to be okay at growing their accounts and they tend to be okay at you know, networking, or they may already have a good client base and they just want to get stuff up to their existing clients. Mm. So it's not always about people wanting social media marketing because they're looking for leads or they're looking for sales mm. from you as an agency. Of course, they're looking for that for themselves. Mm. But sometimes it's literally that they don't have time to actually put their posts together themselves. And we have mm. quite a few business owners who could do it, but literally don't. It's like me taking a bookkeeper on. You can't do everything yourself. And mm. Certainly, putting social media posts together and reels. Reels take a long time as well. They they, mm. they do take a lot of planning and a lot of work. You know, you're researching hashtags. You're putting good quality content together. You're creating graphics. If you imagine how much it takes to just do one post and then adapt it for each platform, that is quite time intensive. Mm. So um, so yeah, so a lot of our business owners come to us because they don't have the time to do it themselves. Mm. Those that are willing to invest are looking for a return on investment. But it's like anything, 
the more you put in, the more you're going to get back. You know, you spend £30,000 a month on Google Ads. I'd be both surprised if you didn't get anything on from that. You spend £100 and it'd be a drop in the ocean. So mm-hmm. it really depends. It depends. There's no kind of right or wrong answer because it depends on the on the company. It depends on the competition. It depends mm. on whether Google's going to be better for them or which social media platform will work better for them. Mm. It's, um, there's no kind of one size fits all. Mm. I mean, before you started studying it and getting into the you know the the data and the theory and um, like from your own practice, I mean, your initial clients, how many of them did you get through social media? I mean, I would imagine that most of them was kind of recommends or people that were already aware of you you mm. your work and doing work i mean is that the case or did you manage to sort of you get a bunch of new clients from the social media work that you were doing on the side like how did that work for you we actually get a lot of business from linkedin and mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a b2b platform um mm. and obviously we're a b2b business mm. so we do get a lot of work from, we don't do paid ads on linkedin as a company ourselves it's all organic mm. um but we do get a lot of inquiries through linkedin and we do get a lot of business through linkedin mm. so linkedin for us is a real focus it's it, it, the other platforms you know they, they work for um they might work very well for b2c again it really depends on the on the on the type of organization mm. um and we do do a lot of linkedin marketing with you know very successfully so um for other clients i think mm. if you need to be that that really is the platform but um but yeah you are right the majority of our work does come through recommendation and referral mm. i just uh, this is kind of for my own curiosity i kind of want to get mm. your your take on um i mean do you see do you see websites as being part of social media and being part of I mean, because, you know, we've all heard the thing of the website being your kind of shop front. Mm. Um, but like, how how do you view the website in that kind of ecosystem, for want of a better term? Like, should it be kind of a final destination or a, like, because other people that I've talked to in this kind of field, you know, like they'll talk about everything has to be active and continually updated and planned and like, because you've got to give people something to be coming to and to be coming back to and those Mm -hmm. kind of things so like just how do you see a website sort of fitting in to the kind of wider social media marketing strategy we very much prefer to work with companies where we are managing everything for them Mm-hmm. So we do work with companies where somebody else does the website or somebody else is social, or somebody does email. Mm. In my opinion, it doesn't work as effectively mm. um, unless you've got a really good, um, you know, um, communication line with those companies mm-hmm. because because it, it isn't about everything going to the website. It isn't about everything going to social media. Really, they should interact. And it depends where somebody is in the sales funnel. It depends mm. where they're top of funnel when they're coming in. You know, at that that very early stage, just find out about the company. They want to find out more about it. Mm. Or it depends whether they've been considering a purchase. No, actually looking to make one. There's so many um, variables in in this, but ideally, you would have a comprehensive strategy that um, brings all your platforms together mm. and is actually sending um, sending traffic between your different platforms um, to engage to engage your clients and once those clients have become your clients to ensure that they are you know they are they remain your clients and they are loyal mm. to your brand so, so there's no one size fits all i mean review strategy is also really important that's something we haven't touched upon um but making sure that you've got a good review strategy as well mm-hmm. um, and integrating that in your website is 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 really important so so the website is definitely um really important um i know that there are companies out there that just have facebook pages or just have instagram or so on i mean i would say that every business owner needs to have some kind of web presence even if it's even if it's a page because it may be that people find you by via a certain platform or people hear about you through recommendation or referral but they will at some point want to go and check your website out it almost gives you a sense of credibility mm. you know especially with e-commerce Mm. You know, to, ha- to have a website and have a presence and have a credible company and even to have a company address on that and the telephone number is mm. really important. So it is important to have a website, but it should be integrate. It should be an integral part of your overall marketing strategy. Yeah, I mean, I'll back that up for you anecdotally as well. I mean, like I find it very annoying when you're looking for someone and it's just like, you know, they've only got a Facebook page or something. So. It doesn't it doesn't quite seem professional, does it? But then I can see from a lot of business owners' perspectives, it's like I don't I don't know how to make it. I don't want to spend money on it. This is free. This gets me 
So I can see the perspective, but I would agree with you. Like it feels like more of a proper business, I think, if there's a website there to me. Yeah, it does. Definitely. It makes it more valid. And people are very cautious about, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people Mm. are very cautious about spending their money online, Mm. uh, especially now. So if they're going to buy products from you, even if they buy them on Amazon, actually, I mean, I I buy on Amazon and I will go and I will always check out that company. I'll look Mm. at their reviews and then, you know, I might just have a look offline and see, I mean, off of Amazon Mm. and actually look up their website and it does it does feel more reassuring to know that they are a they are a credible company that is a credible company you're dealing with mm. and you're the type of purchase you're making obviously mm. but let's say you were buying a laptop you'll mm. buy a laptop off a company that hasn't got a website you'd mm. want to know that they've got reviews that they've got credibility that you know you want to read their about information you want to know what their support is all mm. that stuff should be should be accessible on a website and again it, it goes back to what stage of that funnel you're at because if you're considering that purchase, that website's going to be essential for you to go through and just get the reassurance you need and get the questions answered that you need answering. Mm. No, so I'm 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 thinking out like what I'm thinking now is basically like into the future. Like, is there because the web page it, it's quite a website is quite a mature thing now. They've been around for you know a few decades. So they're, they're holding, in, in the internet terms, that's like, you know, in, in tech terms, that's huge, isn't it? I mean, like. Yeah. So, a lot. When I first built my first year, I still got a website live. I'm not <laughs> going to tell you what it's called. <laughs> but I still got a website live and the owners love it. And I built it in about 2002 and it's black. Mm. And it's got, and all I'm going to say is it's got a lot of neon flashing moving parts. <laughs> I like, I mean, obviously you're in the field, you're in the business. So you, but you know, like you've said within this conversation, you, you know, you know, you've learned the lessons of being adaptable and so on. I mean, do you, do you think, do you think websites are going to stick around? They're just going to keep adapting and just become like, I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah. I, th- I, I don't see them going anywhere anytime soon. Mm. Um, I can't predict the future. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can't see them going anywhere soon. I think the thing about an ed- a, a website is the ownership of it is that it is, it is uniquely yours. If you have mm. a social media platform, you're adapting to that platform. You're on somebody else's platform. Mm. That website that website is yours. You can mm. make it as you want it. You can adapt it as you want it. You can brand it. You can do so much with it. And like you say, websites have come on a very, very long way. Certainly mm. when I started, when it was, the, you know, the... um page kind of static pages mm-hmm. now um they can be as um you know simple or sophisticated as you should want them to be mm. Mm. did you start pre-flash then i'm guessing um like just oh, t- pure html stuff my gosh yeah um, I, I, i'm i'm not sure can't remember i remember flashing <laughs> around in the background yeah not being that 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 um that keen on it and not wanting to use it <laughs> yeah Mainly because actually I was um, I was very aware that it wasn't accessible, um, so that's why I avoided using it. I've never worked with Flash, mm. um, and that's that's yeah. That's one of the main reasons it's become obsolete now. It's um it's not an accessible technology, and um, so I've always shied away from it. It must have been nice though, like you know, with someone who started in the early days, like just to see all the, you know, like what you can do now compared to mm. what you used to be able to do with the, you know, or you cascading css and all the different tools for yeah. bringing in new content and stuff yeah yeah it's it's um yeah it's, it's come a long way it really has come a long way i mean there are some fundamentals that are still the same in terms of you know your domain your your hosting you know so there are some fun- fundamentals that are still the same but mm. um but yeah very very different and um and, and one of the big things is actually um is actually the growth of um, content management systems i mean i don't know anybody mm, yeah. The, the the vast majority of websites now are content managed. Um, I've been building in Joomla for a long time. I think I built my first Joomla site in about two thousand and three. Mm. So um and and in the last few years, I've I've you know really been working quite extensively with WordPress. So yeah. So uh, the question here is: if you could change any three things about your work, anything at all, like you know. You don't have to change anything if you don't want to. You don't have to use all three. But if there are any three things that you could change about your work, uh, what would they be? Oh, my gosh, that's a really difficult question. Let me just think. 
what would I change? Um, I'd earn a lot more money. <laughs> it will come. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I mean, who, what business owner wouldn't say that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I would change. Um, so at the moment, I'm really looking at our structures and processes. So mm -hmm. I'd like I'd like them to be a lot firmer. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and I'm working with. Um, as I say, I've got some mentoring coming, and um, I've had some business coaching. So I'd like to see our systems and processes a lot tighter. And the other thing I would change is I think that I would like to see, and maybe this is more of a this is more of a wider thing, because I'm very conscious of the fact that. You know, we're not going into a session. Let's 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 not make no bones about this. We're in recession, mm. and um, and things are going to be tough for the next few years. Mm. Um, I would change the value that people put on marketing because quite often it's the first thing to go, mm. and and actually that's the worst thing you can do. Mm. I think as a business owner, if you want to retain the competitive edge and you want to survive this, you need to adapt what you're offering, and mm. you need to make sure that you keep your marketing budget up. It mm. should really be the first thing you do, not a kind of afterthought. So um, so I suppose that would be more of a kind of wider perception that I would like to change rather than change within business per se. There's a whole thing in there that we can get into on that, I think. Um, mm. But yeah, I think that's um, yeah, that's a good three choices. I'm sure if I remember a question that I've forgotten, it'll come back to me while we, we're doing the next bit. I don't, I don't want to run through it too quickly because I don't want to shortchange your episode either. Um, how are you doing for time? Do you need to get away? Uh, I'm okay. I mean, you could ask me why I'm called Arctic Bee, if you like. So why are you called Arctic Bee? There is a myth that the bee shouldn't be able to fly because mm -hmm. its body's too big for its wings and aerodynamically it's meant to be impossible. I know scientists have just proved that now, but um, for me, the bee symbolizes achieving the impossible. And the Arctic Bee is quite incredible. It lives in very cold temperatures. It actually um, hibernates and you would you would actually believe that it wasn't alive anymore and then it suddenly comes to life as the warmer weather comes. Mm -hmm. still lives in quite cold temperatures and just, just thrives in the face of adversity. And for me, that's a real representation of my story and where I've come from. Mm -hmm. As you registered the domain some time ago, not long after um, I'd been through the episode of domestic violence I was talking about, mm -hmm. my ex um, my partner got five years, so... All subjects, quite a, quite a, um, yeah. quite a serious and sustained yeah. uh, physical attack, and you know, um, that had a, a lot of ramifications for a while. And that that's the point. I thought, you know what, I'm going to survive this. I'm not only going to survive this, but I'm going to thrive. Mm. And having gone through the uh, mental health crisis, I went through as well. That kind of um, reinforced that really that I'm not a kind of person who just says, you know, this is over now. I'm giving up. Mm. Um, I've always, I'm, I am a real survivor mm. and I am thriving. And so Arctic B really is a symbol of that. And also for the businesses that we're working with and the business owners that we're working with that are starting out to say to them, you too can thrive in the face of adversity. Um, we're here to support you. We can help you. You know, even if you're going through a hard time, we can help you. Mm. Um, we can take you through to make sure that you not only thrive, you actually have you know huge success with your business. And even if you're small and you're on a limited budget, trust us, we can actually achieve the impossible for you. So that's where the name Arctic B comes from. Cool. Good. Um so yeah, you're pretty good with your pitch. How many times have you done you your pitches? Are you quite well practiced with it now? Do you know something? I've always been a really um, confident speaker. Yeah. You could put me on the stage anywhere and I'll just talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not always the most confident person in the world, but for some reason I can stand in front of group, I can stand in front of a crowd of people and you know, and and I can do that ad hoc as well. Mm. So um so yeah, so I've always I've always had that. I've always been fairly confident when I'm speaking. Mm. I think because um when I was younger as well, I suppose having my children at a very young age and, you know, bucking the trend and having my children before I went to university, I did it all in the wrong order, you know. I, I'm. <laughs> I, I, but did you? But, but did you do it in the wrong well, order? Well, may, maybe not, maybe not. Right. I mean, my children are all doing really well. <laughs> I've been now as well. I have a really good relationship with them. Mm. So, um, so I think that um, I've always bucked the trend and I've always kind of... Um, felt and this is my personal value i suppose that i'm not overly worried about what people think of me 
I'll go out and I'll tell my story and you either buy into it or you don't. And if somebody has a, a problem with me saying, yes, I built this on the back of mental health issues, then we it may not be right for us to work together. Mm. So um, I pull it out there really and also to support other people that are going through it because, mm. yeah, mental health is becoming more talked about, but sometimes I feel like it's a little bit tokenistic. Mm. I'm not sure that people are having real conversations about what's really going on in their business. Mm. This is where social media can be an issue. Mm. Social media makes it look like everybody else's lives are perfect and everybody mm. else's businesses are perfect. Mm. Um, and I put a post out on my LinkedIn recently, which uh, which was titled, I'm not okay. It was going through a difficult time. Uh, it's mental health day. And I said, you know what? I'm not okay at the moment. I'm actually struggling at the moment. And I had so many direct messages from people from that just mm. saying to me, thank you for saying that. We, you know, really appreciate that because it's honest and um, and it's opening the conversation up and it's saying to other people, you don't have to feel isolated and they say you're struggling on your own. Mm. There are other people out there also going through it, however successful they might look online. I'm sure even the CEOs of the biggest companies in the world have their off days. Mm. Um but yeah, so, so so it's about opening those conversations up and hopefully the world is going in the right direction in that respect mm. you know, so that people can have those conversations because it's very healthy to have those conversations and, mm. you know, put that out there. It's bottling bottling things up that, that lead to um, depression, anxiety, escalating to a point that it becomes quite unhealthy. Thank you again to Tracy for being my guest. Thanks again to all my guests. And thanks to you, Leeds, for being my subject. And, of course, most of all, thank you to you, my dear listener. Last year was a lot. This year is a lot. It's still February. This century has been a lot. Human history is a lot. Life is a lot. There's been a good amount of sustainability stories on this show in 2022. There's been workers and local companies on working hours who are struggling through hard times, often bleak times, in these now nearly constantly uncertain times. Arctic Bee's story, Tracy's story, is a story of resilience, something we will all need to develop and work on and to build in this decade and all the ones that follow. I don't believe in hope, but I do believe in you. Hang in there, everyone. It's going to get real bumpy. You can follow this show on Twitter at Working Hours 3 and on Instagram at Working Hours Pod Leads. Use the hashtag Working Hours Pod Leads to stay up to date on when new episodes are being released, to DM me with your questions, or most importantly, to get in touch if you'd like to be my guest on this show. Please do chuck in anything you can to help the show grow. Go to ko-fi.com forward slash working hours and join me there for a pound a month or you can make a one-off donation of whatever amount. Uh, you can also go to patreon.com forward slash working hours pod to support working hours, again, from as little as a pound a month. Why not be super awesome and join both? Do something new and something different. Remember to like, share, follow, and subscribe to Working Hours. That's me. Cheers, ears. Take care out there and be kind to each other, leads. Working Hours is produced, recorded, edited, and published by Simon Treen for Western Studios Leeds Limited. The music was The Bees from Chopin's Etudes, which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org. Please like Western Studios Leeds on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash western underscore studios underscore Leeds. And on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash western hyphen studios leads are you considering taking the plunge into podcasts or audio content then think western studios for support advice and guidance on getting it made at western studios you work with a real life learner who is actually in leads not a piece of software not a course of articles or a series of live chats and video courses but me a person in physical place-based reality. If you want to work with me to make your podcast or any digital audio content in Leeds, whether it's for your own cause, your publicity campaigns, to promote your products, increase your sales, or just to create your own passion projects, then get in touch with me, Western Studios, now. Don't wade through vapid articles and videos and podcasts about how to make podcasts by disembodied virtual people on the web. Get on with making your podcast now, and then when it gets hard and expensive and it all goes wrong, which it will, 
Then call Western Studios to make your podcast with you or even for you. Western Studios will take on your podcast's boring, time-consuming and painful admin, recording, editing, transcription, whatever. Tell me about your podcasting pain points and I can make it all better for you. I feel your pain. For a charge, I will share it. Remember, podcast work is work. Leads, businesses, leads, campaigns, leads, brands. Got an inkling that you'd like a podcast but don't know where to start? Contact Western Studios at makemypodcast at western-studios.com and we'll start making your podcast straight away. The first hour of arranged consultation and pre-production time is free. £25 an hour after that for editing, recording, production. I can also arrange hefty discounts for the right projects. So tell me your idea and your budget and I'll tell you what I can do for you. What do you have to lose? Time, that's what. Time is running out. The best time to make a podcast was 10 years ago. The second best time is right now. Writers in Yorkshire, what are you doing with your lives? Hopefully you're writing. Well, I know there are listeners out there who want to hear great original writing performed as audio content that is about and for and has been made in Leeds. How do I know this? Because I'm one of them loiners what wants it. Help me make your old screenplays, unpublished novels, unperformed plays, stories, poems and performances, whatever you got, baby, and make it as podcast content. Is your work arty, salacious, pulpy, strange? Good. Is it unfinished? Good. I can help you with that too. I can work with you to find actors, musicians and voiceover artists and quickly realise your projects. I get practice making the shows and you get a finished, performed and published version of your writing. Save yourself the hassle and the headache of making your podcasts on your own by working with me instead.